And this is episode number 409 with best-selling author Devon Franklin. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome everyone to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got a special guest on today. His name is Devon Franklin, and he serves as the president and CEO of Franklin Entertainment, a new first look production company with Sony Pictures Entertainment. And as the former senior vice president of Columbia TriStar Pictures, Devon worked on a number of the studio's most successful films, including The Karate Kid and The Pursuit of Happiness. Now, in addition to his entertainment industry pursuits, Devon is a growing force in the media. He's made appearances on CNN, Fox News. He's been on Super Soul Sunday with Oprah. He's been on Oprah's Life Class, been on the Dr. Phil Show, and many other media outlets. He's also a published author, a preacher, and a highly sought-after motivational speaker. Ebony Magazine has named him one of the top 100 influential African Americans in America, and BeliefNet named him one of most influential Christians under 40. We talked about a lot of different things today, and he was similar to John Asaraf's interview for me in the fact that every other sentence I felt like was a highlight reel, like something was just so profound and innovative and inspirational. So for me, I was inspired and enthralled the entire time, and I hope you are as well. But here are some of the highlights that we're going to talk about. How to think of your life as a movie and why that's useful. Also, what Devon learned from interning for Will Smith when he was in college. Why figuring out your spiritual foundation is essential to happiness no matter how successful you are in life. And guys, I'm learning all about this spiritual foundation and spiritual vision throughout my meditation retreat right now, so I'm definitely a big believer in that. Why Devon and his wife, actress Megan Good, chose to wait to have sex till they were married and the story behind that. Devon's experience navigating Hollywood as a man of color and so much more. Guys, make sure to give this some love. Share it out with your friends. LewisHouse.com slash 409. Make sure to follow Devon and let him know what you think of this interview over on Instagram or over on Twitter. And watch the full video interview over on YouTube and again on the website LewisHouse.com slash 409. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy this one and I'll connect with you at the end. Without further ado, let me introduce to you the one, the only, Devon Franklin. Doors take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. 
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about our guest, Devon Franklin, What's in up? the house. Good to see Good you, Good to man. see you. So glad to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm very pumped about this because um, a friend of mine, Dale Partridge, introduced me to you, to who you were a couple of years ago and said, you got to get this guy on sometime. And I think he actually made an email intro to either me and you or your publicist at the oh, time wow. okay. or a while ago, okay. a couple of years ago. Yeah. And you were busy or on the road. You might have had your book launching then or something. Yeah. And so we never made it happen, but we finally made it happen. All and I realized you're my outside. neighbor. Yes, right. I live down the street. Right down the street. So yeah. I'm glad we made it happen. <laughs> me too. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having um, me. For those that don't know who you are, and I think a lot of my audience probably doesn't know who you are, in, in one sentence, what would you say is your vision or your purpose? Wow. Okay. We're just going to go deep. Get it there, we man. don't waste I'm any curious. time. What, what are you here Lewis. for? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm here to, you know, basically through the media, mm-hmm. um, you know, improve the lives of everyone in a way where if they watch a film that I've produced, they read a book that I've written, uh, they hear a lecture I've given or a sermon that I've preached. The thing that unites all of them is information um, uh, perspective to motivate them to do something positive in their life. Mm. And that's ultimately the the goal. And that's what I do. Uh, so if you've watched my films, you've seen my books, read, read my books, you see me on uh, Instagram, mm. that's, if you can go to my Instagram page right now, every post is not about me. It's about whoever's coming there. What can I say? What can I post? What can I show to help them, to motivate them to do something positive in their life? Mm. Yeah. You're in the perfect place. That's oh, what we're right. all about. That's right. You're in the perfect place, greatness, man. School exactly. greatness. I love it. <laughs> now, did I read that you're, how you got started or early on, you were an intern for Will Smith? Is yeah. That, that's yeah, that's how, true. How did that come about? And uh, what was that experience like for you? Yeah. I mean, it started, I started at 18 years old. 18. Uh, I'm from Oakland, uh, California. You know, I came down to here, Southern California to go to USC. I'm sorry, any uh, Bruins that are listening. <laughs> um, there is a little more anointing on the Trojans. Yes, there is. Um, and uh, I went to USC and I got rejected from the film school, but I got admitted to general admission to the, the school at large. And at first I wasn't going to go there and I went and visited the school and felt like that's where I was supposed to be. Right. And as I got there and started, this, I decided I major in business and minor in film. But the thing that was missing was real world experience because I always dreamed of being in Hollywood. I always dreamed of, you know, making films, and making television and being a part of the entertainment industry. Right. That was my you know, goal from, you know, as long as I can remember. 
First, it was playing football. And right behind that, my fallback was entertainment. Um, football didn't work out. <laughs> did you so, play in high school? Uh, I actually got hurt in the tryout. Oh, no way. Yes, I did. Never made the team. Okay. That was it. I got All hurt right. in the first play. First tryout, I was out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then decided, okay, Hollywood must be where God wants me to be. There you go. So... I, when I got there freshman year, I realized that I needed some real world experience in entertainment to figure out exactly if it was what I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you have an idea of what you want to do, but right. until you have a real world experience, you don't actually know if it is what you want to do. So, um, so no point in wasting four hours of your life, uh, four years of your life. That's right. That's right. Getting that's a degree right. If you don't love it, if you don't love it. And, yeah. and I need to put myself in an environment where I could actually figure that out. So long story short, I went into interview for an internship at the management company and managed Will Smith. Uh, at the time, the company was called Handprint Entertainment. And I went in, 18 years old, you know, went through the interview process. And one of the things that was really unique about that interview was two things. One, I sent in my resume and had a picture. Uh, it was a time when print color printers were a new thing. Uh, what so year was this? This was 96. Wow. 96, Dang, man. Wow. Hey, we going all the way back. For a while, man. That's right. 20 years. Dang. OG. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so... I sent my resume and have a picture on it. And they were like, you know, the lady interviewing me, her name was uh, Dale. She was like, you know, this isn't a modeling agency. And she had my picture crossed off. She's like, don't do that because there's some people in this town that mean to hire you based upon that and how you look. So I was like, oh, wow. You know, I was really frustrated. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is getting off to the worst start. It was my first interview in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And after that, she started asking me, you know, well, why do you want to be in entertainment? And I said, well, I want to make change. And she said, well, you want to make money? I said, no, I mean, <laughs> that's fine. But no, I'm talking about changing the world. Mm -hmm. And I said, I believe entertainment is one of the most powerful mediums in the world. And if I can be a part of that, maybe I might be able to affect people's lives in a positive way. Yeah. And so she was like, oh, OK, wow, you know, cool. And then she got to the end of the interview and she said, is there anything else you you know need me to know? And in that moment, you know, I grew up as a Christian, um, but as a Christian, I also observed the Sabbath. So Friday night sundown, Saturday night sundown, you know, I was raised, you know, not going to school dances and football games and basketball games and, you know, really spend that day in church and in a day of observance. And so uh, I told her in that interview, um, I don't work on the Sabbath. So if taking the internship would require me to work on the Sabbath, then I won't take it. And so she was shocked and she was like, oh, okay. Um, and she was kind of quiet. This she might not know what right to say. <laughs> we don't sleep in Hollywood. We work right. all day, every day. Exactly. But the thing that came out of that is that she said, okay, you know what? We're going to work around that. And so I got the internship wow. and I started uh, that first semester. Uh, it was unpaid and then they liked me. Uh, and so I stayed on and then became paid and that became my job. And I did it uh, my whole four years. Wow. Uh, Will ultimately got his own company with his uh, producing partner, James Lasseter. They started Overbrook Entertainment in 1998. And I went to inter intern for them my junior and senior year. Mm. And then when I graduated, I became an assistant uh, for James Lasseter, who's Will's producing partner gotcha. at the company. So wow. yeah, all of my foundation in this industry uh, comes from my time and training uh, with Will. What would you say is the biggest uh, lesson you learned from that intern experience, those four years? Um, you know, it's something that I, that I, I knew already, you know, again, growing up in the church, uh, one of the things that, that was instilled in us, my uncle was the pastor, was all about service, all about service. I mean, we would go into the community, we, we pass out food, we pass out mm -hmm. flyers, uh, you know, we would get to the church at you know eight o'clock on, on Sabbath morning and not leave till eight o'clock at night. Wow. So getting to be an intern, uh, that training and service was the key to my success. Because as an intern, you know, no one came to me every day and said, here's your assignment. 
I had to go find work to do. Right. I had to go, you know, say, hey, can I fax that for you? Can I file that for you? Remember mm-hmm. coffee orders, you know, go get dry cleaning, but also do it with excellence. Do it like it was important because sometimes those tasks we don't want. We want the office. We want the job. Uh, you know, we want the title. We want the money. We don't want to do the entry level stuff. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, people that I've even hired and interns that I've worked with, they don't have any excellence in that work because they, they think it's a, they're above it. But when you put excellence on that and you serve it and you say, hey, this is as important as the job I want, people see that. So for me, it was applying service. How can I make everyone's job here better? And not just the principals, but the assistants as well, you know, the support staff, because if you don't have a relationship with the support staff, you're not going to have a good relationship with the principals. Mm-hmm. And so that was my my one lesson that I really learned is that service is king and that service is the key to your ascension. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I can tell you that that lesson just keeps replaying itself at every level, just in different ways. Right. You know, that the last chapter in my book is about living a life of service. Oh, cool. The greatest leaders in the world live in service. They that's, do. That's their mission. Yeah serve others. It's my mission to serve others. And I think it also means we get to work on ourselves constantly to develop the skills and the tools to provide knowledge, information, yep. Yep. And yeah. be in greater service. Yeah. Um, so that's cool that you talk about service and that early on you recognize that from the principles and the foundation you had in the church. Absolutely. I think there's important. a lot of people that don't have that foundation. I mm-hmm. think now more than ever, people aren't going to church or it's it's loosey goosey. Yeah. There's this foundation. It sounds yeah. like you had. Absolutely. Why do you think that is that so many of the millennials and the younger people in the world aren't maybe in America, let's say in general, aren't doing that or don't have that foundation? Um, you know, it's, it's a good question. I, I probably have a, a two prong answer. Mm. Um, I think that one, <laughs> just I think it's a lot of it has to do with the parenting. Uh-huh. And and, you know, I sometimes feel like the millennial parenting is it's like the parents of the millennial parents we're harder on them than they are on the millennials. And I think that, that, you know, in some instances and, you know, millennials that I have in my family and how their parents parent them, I'm like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, you're letting the millennial be the parent. You're not the parent. And I'm like, we got to flip this dynamic. So part of it is that part of it, I think is a parenting thing. And, and I also think that because, you know, uh, some of those parents, you know, who came up in church, uh, you know, were hurt. And they saw things and, and there was maybe a level of hypocrisy and there were things that, that mm. they loved the word or they loved the message, but the experience um, hurt mm. them in some way. The human experience. That's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, churches are emergency rooms and there's a lot of sick people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that sometimes that creates a, a bit of um, you get jaded. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you may get a little cynical, potentially lose belief, lose belief in the institution. Yeah. Not necessarily in God, right. not necessarily in the faith, but in the institution by which Church. the faith was experienced. Right. The, the religious building and that's the people right. there that's right. and the experience. That's right. And so sometimes if that has happened, then that's why it doesn't necessarily show up as rigorously as it as it has in previous generations. With yeah. that being said, you know, in the ministry that I do, you know, outside of Hollywood and in the many millennials. That, that follow me and look to me for inspiration. There's not, there's no lack of desire within the millennial gener- generation for, for God, for faith, for inspiration, for motivation, for an understanding of how to live life spiritually. There's no lack of that. It's just finding a way that they can tap into mm. and finding a, a, not just a message because the message is the same to me, but it's finding an approach. 
that makes it feel as relevant and as um, accessible right. as as it has for previous generations. Yeah, because I I'm a testament. People, you know, I'm 38 years old. I have my own company. God is doing amazing things in my life. And people ask me how, you know, it's because I, I had a foundation uh, spiritually and I had a foundation practically. And so I'm a very big proponent and a poster child of what can happen when you do have a consistent church going experience, when you do embrace faith at an early age and what that, what can do for your life, it can yeah. do amazing things. So I do whatever I can, you know, with this generation to motivate them and to say, listen, you know, it's really important. It's really important because the higher you go, the, in my opinion, the higher you go and the more success you have, if you have not figured out your spiritual walk and you haven't really tapped into what's going on in your soul, you're, you're not going to be happy. You're just not mm. because there's these external things that we say will make us happy. They don't, right? They don't, they only amplify whatever's there. Exactly. So you may have the position and you may have a great office, but if you aren't filled and you don't feel at peace, you're, you're going to get in that office and say, I need a bigger office. Right. And you're going to get the bigger office and say, I need a bigger office. I need a bigger house. And it becomes a perpetual cycle. So mm -hmm. again, going to your question, I think a lot of it comes from experiences in the church, experiences with religion that, that were painful. Mm -hmm. And so, and, but I come across so many parents too, that, you know, through the books I've written and the things I see, they say, I want you to talk to my kid because the things you're saying, the way you're saying them, I believe in that. Or they'll see, you know, Miracles from Heaven or a movie that I've done. They'll say, I want my kids to have those values. It's just that I, I'm losing trust in the institution. Mm. So, yeah. uh, again, it's, that, that may be a more simplified answer because it's a very complex answer. Um, but my hope and my prayer is that uh, it's something that can be resolved. Yeah. Because I think there are so many, you know, young people in this generation that are searching and they're seeking and they are desiring for God. They're just looking for him in different ways. Mm. Who, uh, who brought these principles on you early on? Was your parents um, or a mentor? Yeah. I mean, it was a combination, you know, it's that African proverb. It takes a village. Yeah, and it certainly it took a big village to raise me <laughs> and my older brother, my younger brother. Yeah, yeah. And uh, from day one, my mother, um, my, me, my grandmother has seven sisters and one brother. And so my great aunts were my my mother was raised with my great aunts. OK, so she was raised in the house almost as the eighth sister. Okay. So when we were born, you know, we had these eight amazing women wow. that were a part of our life. And you were living with them or we weren't living with them. We were close. We, they were all close and in, in giving us information and, and helping us. Wow. And I mean, so a lot of the wisdom, I mean, you know, at six and seven, they were teaching us about life and what wow. really happens and all this kind of stuff. So I think a lot of that really instilled the values. Mm -hmm. And then my father passed away when I was nine mm -hmm. uh, of a heart attack. And so my mother was left to raise us on her own. And so my grandmother and my grand and my great aunts and then my grandfather stepping in, my uncle stepping in. So it really took this village. But in my experience growing up, no one ever treated us like kids necessarily. Yeah. I mean, we were treated like kids, like, yeah, go ride your bike, that kind of thing. But in terms of life, we were taught a lot about life at a very early age. Mm. And I think part of it had to do because of the tragedy we experienced. And the other part of it is that they wanted to prepare us to uh, succeed mm -hmm. and did not want to withhold from us information that might right. help us uh, be successful. Who would you say is more, has been more influential in your life, your mom or your dad? Um, I mean, I think my, I think my mother, you know, I mean, cause she's been here. I mean, I think my dad in, in more of a, 
um, you know, legacy, mm-hmm. you know, standpoint of like, you know, my father, you know, he passed away young and certainly was able to glean a lot of lessons from him and, and even lessons, uh, you know, in his death. But I think my mother certainly mm-hmm. would have had, has had the biggest influence. I mean, she's been there and consistent. The whole and, time. Yeah. Yeah. Who, uh, what's the biggest lesson you learned from each of them? Um, you know, the biggest lesson I learned from my father was, uh, to not accept substance, uh, I don't want to say abuse, but don't accept, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Digesting or ingesting. So don't, don't, because some, part of culture is that, you know, substances, whether it be alcohol, whether it be cigarettes, drugs or whatever, well, that's just a part of the culture, right? I mean, you know, what's big, what, what difference does it make if you drink? That's just part of culture. And if you don't drink, then you're weird. So what I learned from him is that, you know, as someone who did drink and for someone who drank, he did drink, he did. Yeah. And he he was an alcoholic my entire life, um, which contributed to his early demise. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned from him was like, don't just buy into the status quo. You have to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of pressure he felt in his job and didn't realize, you know, the severity of what alcoholism would do to him. And, you know, he was doing it and didn't, you know, thought, oh, it's just me just doing what everybody else does. Right. And everybody else goes out to drink after work. And that's what I do. And didn't realize that I was setting him up for, for some very tragic events. So yeah. I really learned from that experience to not, to do that. To not, mm-hmm. not go with the flow. Uh, just because that's where the flow is going. Have a point of view. Find out. You, that's right. And others. Don't find do out what works for you. Yeah. It works for me. So that's one lesson I learned from from him. And the other lesson I learned from her, you know, is is really about discipline. I mean, my mother was mother was still is a disciplinarian. And uh, <laughs> she, you know, from when we were young, I mean, from three and four years old, I mean, having to do chores and vacuum and wash dishes and take out the trash and keep our room clean and and all of those things that at the time I hated. I value so much now because they gave me a foundation that really helped me uh, navigate, organize, lead, um, manage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that discipline was something that she really instilled in us. And I think a lot of the success I've been able to have Mm -hmm. comes from her and her, you know, saying, look, I'm not going to let you guys just go and be wild. (laughs) Say that's just how boys do. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Every Stearns and Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at stearnsandfoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not.
Discipline. Yeah, discipline is such a powerful thing. Yeah. And and being disciplined ourselves and having structure, I feel like. In my I've never been drunk my entire life. Wow. I've been hired drunk. Me either. And I made the decision in high school when I was I went to a private boarding school and then when I was going off to college to play football, my siblings, my older siblings, were like, You're gonna be a drunk jock, just like all the other drunk mm. like football players, like we already see it. And I was like, I'm gonna make a bet to you guys, I'm not gonna have one sip of alcohol. In college. Wow. And I went to so many college parties with all the football <laughs> players just like chugging and keg stands or whatever. Yeah. And I didn't have one sip. And I never even felt like pressure personally. Yeah. Like people tried to That's pressure right. me. That's right. Me too. Same thing. But I didn't feel it. Constantly I'm like, wanted to. But no, it's like I don't have a desire zero for Zero urge. No urge. And totally. then after college, I was like, why start? I've, yeah. had, I've had a couple sips every now and then, uh-huh. but I've never been drunk yeah. and yeah. never had like a full right. glass of beer or something. It's been like a sip. So, um, but I don't feel the, uh, the pressure and I feel like the discipline I've created That's right. in that, that area. Now I'm not perfect. You know, I have, I. <laughs> I've got my other vices, you know, with food yeah. and sugar and things yeah, like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think we need to create structure for ourselves Agreed. to, um, to move forward and to progress. So. I agree. I think it's um, an integral part. That's cool, man. I like that. So you've never been drunk either? No. Oh, man. No. I like it. Very few of us. Very few <laughs> I of know, us. I know. You, pro- you probably haven't had sips either. I've had sips. No. You've no. I, mean, si- I remember when I was a kid, like, there was something in the, there was like orange juice in the refrigerator. Uh-huh. I went in, in a cup and I went and took a sip. I thought, oh, orange juice. And then I was like, wait. That's not orange juice. That's something else. <laughs> There's something else in it. It was orange <laughs> yeah, juice. It's something else. It was uh, the only time. You've yeah. never consciously done it. No, no, no. That's no, great, man. No desire. That's great. Now, something uh, that was pretty cool that I read about you is um you wrote a book it was called the weight or was it called weight the weight the weight yeah i co-wrote it with my wife co-wrote it with your wife and what is the essence of the book you guys waited to do what we waited until marriage to have sex and we wrote a book about the value of why we did it and the value of doing it uh so that it can actually help your your not only just your love life but your your whole life mm. How long were you dating or did you um, know each other before that? Well, before you got married? I started waiting in my early 20s. So I ended up waiting, you know, for a little over 10 years before, uh, before marriage. Wow. Um, and so we dated for a little over a year and got married. So you were dating other people before then? Yeah. Yes. And you waited for, for them too? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And then they just didn't work out for whatever reason Correct. after six months or a year or whatever it was. Yeah. And yeah. Some cases longer. Yeah. Some cases longer. Yeah. And waited the whole time. Waited. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about discipline. Yeah. I love it. And so then you met uh, your wife, Megan. Yeah. Megan, and you told her up front, I'm assuming, hey, you know, I like you. This is cool. We should date, but I'm going to wait. Well, the thing about it was interesting because we did a movie together. I was the executive on a film. She's an called, actress. Yeah, right? she's an actress um, uh, called Jumping the Broom a couple years ago when I was an executive for Sony. Uh, she was one of the stars of the film. And long story short, you know, we tell our whole story in the weight, but the weight is really geared towards the reader and to help them in their love life. And we use our story to do that. But one of the, t- the aspects of our story was that while we were getting to know each other as friends on set, mm-hmm. you know, she would say to her girlfriend, like, oh, about me. Oh, he's the type of guy I would like to marry one day. It's the type of guy. Yeah. Right. Type. Why don't you right. just go marry him? Right. Well, I, and again, she was, you know, I mean, she's making good, you know, you know, huge star celebrity. Like, I'm not even thinking anything about that. Right, like right. that. I'm like, you know, she's on a pedestal and I'm not thinking. Really? That okay. And so. You didn't even think you had a chance. No, it wasn't even thought. You were like, I'm working. She's working. That's right. Yeah. It's right. Like, who? Oh, that's cool. It's good that we're having friends. That's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. like, hey, who wouldn't oh, want to be friends cool. with Megan Good? Right. <laughs> but that was the extent of it. You weren't even thinking about it. No. Maybe no. like Fantasyland once or twice. Like, no. I mean, no. <laughs> even in the Fantasyland, it's like, no, it's not real. Wow. Okay. So while that was happening, we got a chance to know each other. Mm-hmm. And then the movie wrapped. And, um, you know, nine months later, 
you know, we ended up talking at the premiere party and that's when we started saying, Hey, maybe we should go hang out. Wow. But what I didn't know what had happened before that to answer your question is that right after the movie wrapped, she was getting out of a relationship and it was very difficult for a variety of reasons. She was praying to God, you know, please uh, help me and help me understand what you want. And, and she says that in that prayer time, God told her that I was going to be her husband. Crazy. Yes, this was, this was, and again, I, her and I weren't even talking. Wow. We hadn't really communicated since the movie wrapped anything. And then she said, well, what am I supposed to do? And God said, don't do anything. Just get work on yourself. Mm-hmm. And so as the months progressed and as she got stronger in this belief and what God told her, she started telling her friends and one of her friends she told said to her, well, you know, you know, he's, he, he's in ministry too. And she's like, no, I didn't know that. Uh-huh. And then her friend told her, well, you know, he's celibate. And, and she's like, well, no, I didn't know that, but I'm, <laughs> she's like, I'm celibate too. And then her friend said to her, well, no, he's really celibate. Yeah, <laughs> like, she was celibate then, but not. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> and, and so when I went into the relationship, when we, when we started dating, mm-hmm. she already knew that about me. Right. Uh, and so when we talked about it, I didn't know that about her, but it didn't really matter to be honest with you, because I knew what I wasn't going to do. Sure. So clear. Yeah. So it's like, hey, you know what? She's on board or not? Right. I mean, it takes two to tango. So if I'm not doing it, then we ain't going to do it. Um, uh, And so it was cool to find out that she was on the same page. And I think that that really created a unity amongst us and a communication. And, you know, we dated for a year. We did four months of pre-engagement counseling. Uh, and we talk about that in the book. And uh, and then we got engaged in March. We got married in June. Wow. And, um, you know, we really believe in in the value of waiting because it just gives, gives so much clarity. Mm-hmm. It gives so much yeah. understanding. And sometimes, you know, sex, it's just, it clouds so much. It does. And, and you can't see people for who they really are. You can't really necessarily decipher intention. And sometimes it's the physical need that, that is, is, yeah, completely. Connection. Completely. Intimacy. Completely. And that and, clouds you from other things that may right. not be aligned. Totally. Totally. And then you get down the road and then you realize, wait, things don't work out. And you wonder why. Uh, and I, and the book is really written for those that, that, you know, want to do something different. Mm-hmm. And are looking for peace and are looking for hope and are looking for, for clarity and also just looking for, you know, value of self and saying, you know, I, I want to, I want to do right by me. And I want to, I want help doing that. And we've, you know, people from all around the world have, you know, been getting the book. I mean, wow. from Africa to, to London to Australia, uh, just, we've been doing book signings all year. We've sold over a hundred thousand copies. Amazing. Yeah. It's Congrats. unbelievable. Thank you. Um, because people are really resonating sure. with the message of waiting. It was sure. so funny because Oprah had us on Super Soul Sunday and, uh, I had an event with her and she comes up to me and she's like, how did you get a book about chastity to become a New York Times bestseller? <laughs> I just said, look, I said, it's God. And I said, because also people going back to that millennial thing a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, we're in a culture hungry for authenticity. Yes. Hungry for truth, hungry for love. And if we can provide that in an authentic way, people are going to gravitate to it. Absolutely. And I think people really gravitate to the message of the weight. And uh, it's a blessing to see how well it's doing. It's amazing. And how long have you guys been married now? Uh, four years. We've been married four, four years. years. Okay. Yeah, five years next June. Now, would you say that marriage has been smooth sailing, like no problems because you waited? Or is there still challenges that come up? And do you- Oh, my goodness. Marriage is a daily, you know, challenge in some way. <laughs> uh, but, but good challenges. Uh-huh. But what the weight did was it gave us clarity on our foundation that we got together for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we're unified about that. There's a strong foundation of communication that we stand on. So 
whenever we've had challenges or things that we've talked about or conversations we had to really work through, it was about the issue, not about a larger thing of, oh, wow, did we make the wrong decision? Are we right for each other? Correct. Mm-hmm. We've always been clear on that, That's which good. really then helps us isolate the issue yes. and deal with the issue. Doesn't make you guys right or wrong. That's or right. That's right. That's right. Good or bad. And that's right. That's right. And so waiting really helped do that. And then Powerful. also waiting was um, for us a sign of unconditional love, mm. meaning I want to get to know you for you, not for your performance in the bedroom. Not for your body, for you. And that unconditional desire to get to know, and then the process of falling in love and now being in love for mm. who the person is. I love you for you. You love me for me. And then in marriage, when we decide that we're having sex, is just an outgrowth of the foundation of unconditional love that we have. Right, right. And so for us, that was something that we talk about as some, as one of the major benefits in our marriage that came out of waiting mm. was a real belief and confidence that she loved me for me and I love her for her. Mm. Do you know others in the, you know, cause Hollywood, it's hard to do that. I would think the, uh, the pressures in Hollywood mm-hmm. are, are, are challenging more so than I think real world mm-hmm. or anywhere else. Do you know any others appears who have who have applied this in Hollywood in the business. Well, I mean, you know, the ones that I know, I mean, are the ones in the media, Russell and Sierra just got married yeah, and, that's and they right. and they waited. Oh. Uh, Did you kind of coach them or no? Oh, I was gonna no, say. no. We know uh Sierra, but we don't know Russell. Right, right. I uh, can't wait to meet him. Yeah. Uh you know, and um But it seemed to work for them. Or? Yeah, it definitely yeah. seems to have worked for them. That's cool. Uh, they, you know, they just got married I think earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, you know, Tia and Tamara, you know, they waited and, and uh, look mm. what it's doing for their marriage. Right. And so there's a few right. out there that are talking about it and there may be others who are doing it, but haven't talked about it in terms right, of, right, right. you know, the Hollywood crowd. That's cool. Not saying that uh, marriage isn't going to still be, have its own challenges. Oh, it always does. That's right. marriage. Right, right. That's marriage. Welcome to the married life. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you don't want challenges, don't get married. <laughs> I'm not ready for it yet. <laughs> <laughs> don't be afraid. I'm not afraid, but don't I'm not be ready afraid, for it yet. man. <laughs> That's cool, man. Um, I'm curious, you know, you talk about your life as a movie, right? Don't yes. you mention this somewhere? Yes. Tell me what does that actually mean, your life as a movie? Um, what it means is that, you know, when you look at your life as a movie, I think it gives you a, a perspective and a paradigm by which then to navigate success. Yeah. So when you look at every movie, okay, great. Every movie has a hero, a villain, a challenge, and a victory. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So if I look at my life as a movie, it helps me understand, okay, well, first of all, I embrace that I am the hero. Which is really, it seems simple, but it's a huge revelation that everyone needs to come to the conclusion about. Because in our day-to-day life, we don't feel heroic. We feel beat down. We go to a job that we don't necessarily like. We work with people that don't necessarily value us. We work for a boss that doesn't see us the same way we see ourselves. And so many people go and live an existence that does not feel heroic at all. So owning the idea that I am actually the hero of my story is very empowering. So once you own that and say, okay, this is my movie, I'm the hero. Now, what does that mean about the challenges I face? Okay, every great hero faces great challenges. There would not be a movie 
if the hero didn't go through challenges, right. didn't go boring. through conflict. It'd be boring. <laughs> no one would watch it. No one would watch it. Yeah. And the hero would ne- learn nothing. Yeah. So the idea of my life as a movie then gives me a perspective to understand challenges that I, that I face. Okay. So challenges aren't there to push me down. They're there to build me up. To make conflict, more heroic. That's right. Yeah. And sometimes the hero will never come out. The hero within will never arise if there aren't challenges that force the hero out. Mm. So you have to embrace who you are. You have to acknowledge what you're facing and you have to know that you already have within you the power to overcome them. And then when you look at a movie, mm. every hero has a villain. So the people that oppose you don't get so mad about that. Actually embrace it. Embrace it. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good thing. So, you know, if Batman doesn't have the Joker, then no the, movie. there's no movie. And not only that, <laughs> here's the thing. The level of the Joker is at the level of Batman's heroism. He just doesn't always realize it. Yeah. And so when you have great villains in your story, that's actually a sign that you are right where you need to be. And you're going exactly where you need to go. Because why would the Joker oppose Batman if Batman's not a threat to the Joker? Mm-hmm. He's only going to oppose him if there's a problem. Right. And so sometimes we're doing the right things in life. We're on the right path and we face opposition. We get discouraged. We get distracted and we get frustrated. And the reason why, when you look at your life as a movie, why I think that that reduces the frustration is then you begin to say, oh, I get what's happening now. Okay. So the villain is opposing me. Okay, good. That means I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So now how do I defeat the villain? So that's why I talk about your life as a movie. And I mentioned that I came up with that concept in the, in the context of my first book produced by faith, mm-hmm. which was all about looking at your life as a movie. That's cool. And then also what happens is, you know, having worked in entertainment since I was 18 and I was working as a studio executive for 10 years for Columbia pictures slash Sony pictures um, in the book produced by faith and looking at your life as a movie, every movie starts in development. So that's what I did as a studio executive. I would find great ideas. I would develop the script, get the script ready for production, oversee it in production all the way through to distribution, marketing, so on and so forth. So when you look at your life and you say, where am I? Sometimes the reason why you're not in production in your life is because your script has to be developed. Mm -hmm. And so part of script development is answering notes. So constructive criticism. There'll be some things that people tell you you need to do, but you don't want to hear it. And then you wonder why your story's not moving forward because you're not listening to the notes you're getting. Any script, any movie you see in the theater started as a script that people gave notes on. Mm, right. And, and, and any writer or director or producer that did not want to take notes never saw their movie made. And so I gave, I started creating this concept to help people understand where they were in the development process, what they needed to do to get their life into production. And then once it was in production, how they could actually have a successful movie. Yeah. And that's the idea behind Produced by Faith and the idea of, you know, looking at your life as a movie. Mm. What's the most powerful uh, movie you've created that you think has made the most change? Because you said you want to make change. Mm-hmm. What's the piece of work you've created that's you think's done that or has the potential through its message? Um, you know, I think the film that I just did, Miracles from Heaven, was starring Jennifer Garner and, and Queen Latifah, is a film that uh, you know has produced some amazing change in the life of people that have seen it. Mm. Uh, you know, it's all about it's a true story of a mother dealing with uh, her sick daughter who has an incurable stomach condition. And she gets it out of nowhere and she's in tremendous pain and suffers for a very long time to the point where the daughter is ready to die and ready to give up. Mm. And right at that moment, um, she has this miraculous experience where she has an accident and she falls down the inside of a hollowed out tree. Uh, 90 feet, hits her head three times, gets trapped at the base of the tree. Fire department, paramedics, they come, they uh, rescue her. Took about five to six hours to get her out of that tree. And when they airlift her to the hospital, they're sure 
that she will not only have broken limbs, but potentially paralysis. And once the emergency room doctor looks at her, he comes out of the room and says, I, I don't know how to describe this, but she's not hurt. Huh. She didn't have a splinter. She didn't have a bug bite. She didn't have a broken bone. She's fine. We'll watch her overnight, uh, but you can take her in the morning. And when she walks out of the hospital, slowly but surely, she doesn't need medication anymore. Her stomach, the problem that she had made her stomach distended. It goes down and the disease that she had disappears. And so it's this powerful story of, of, right. (laughs) How? Go watch the movie. And miracles. And, 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 but along the way, what the mother realized is that while she may have received the biggest miracle she could have ever prayed for, which is the healing of her daughter, Mm -hmm. that there were miracles all the way, all the way through the miracle of her neighbor that could watch the kids when she had to take her daughter to the, to the hospital, the miracle when she had to go to Boston to take her daughter to the doctor, there was a waitress that did not know them that befriended them and helped them, you know, the miracle Mm -hmm. of the different friends along the way. And so with life, you know, Einstein has a quote, you know, to those that believe everything is a miracle to those that don't, nothing is. And this idea that miracles are all around us, if we would just open our eyes and look. And so that film has, has made a tremendous impact. And the thing that I love about that film, it just won the Teen's Choice Award for Drama oh, this year, congrats. which is fantastic. So many young kids. I, I, I've been traveling with the weight, but people come up to me and say, my daughter, Miracles from Heaven is her favorite movie. Wow. My son loves to watch this film. So this idea that a film like this not only can touch the adults, but can also touch the kids. That's cool. And that to me is is powerful. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's one of those, it's like, again, as, as a mantra of what I do and why I do it, to see the impact of a film like that on people and how it has helped their relationship with their family members, how it's helped their relationship with God, how it's given them greater hope in the face of the adversities they face. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the greatest testimony. That's cool, man. Yeah. What's the... Um, What's the script that's in development in your own life for your personal movie? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, You know, I think that the script's in development for me is, you know, it's like when you look at all the different things that I'm doing, which Mm -hmm. are, which are fantastic, you know, through producing films and television to, you know, writing books, to speaking Mm -hmm. uh, around the country and, and preaching as well. And, and having, you know, a great audience with social media, you know, I think the script is being developed as well what's what's the next scene going to look like yes. and what's that all going to look like on the next level and how's that going to to all coalesce because if all of this let's just say is a setup let's just say it's the first act yes what's next what's next so that's the script that's in development is what, the, what is, is it though? Is, well i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's, if you could create anything you wanted since you are the author of your own movie yes what is it you want to create however while i may be the author to a degree, I, I, in the book, I talk about you're the co-author with God, mm, and that God sure. is the director. Yeah, and he and wanted to play football, but there you it go, didn't happen. He, that's right. He had a different plan. Something else. That's wow. right. So, so if I kept writing football into my script, mm-hmm. but it actually was supposed to be Hollywood, mm. I would have messed it up. Sure, sure. So, with the next chapter, let's say you're being led in the right direction already. Then, then you know, it's just going to be continuing to build on you know the voice that I have. Yeah, the platform, um, the platform, yeah. and, and using media. As as the platform mm. for the platform, so to speak, sure, sure. and using entertainment as a way to continue to do that sure. uh, through all the things that I'm doing, um, you know, which are all united by this desire to inspire. So what that yeah. looks like, I don't know, but uh, more movies, you more know, books, more, yeah, more, yeah, yeah, more. more. But it's also yeah, continuing to find the right vehicle for my voice, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and what I mean by voice is that independent of producing a film or writing a book. 
you know, I have the ability to speak and to motivate, yes. to inspire. And so, you know, I think the next level is going to be an even more significant opportunity and consistent opportunity like you're doing with the podcast. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's like you have a you have a vehicle for your voice. Yep. And and people know your voice and they understand your voice and you have a platform in which you can grow. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't yet have that platform have in that way. Have you thought about doing a podcast yet? I thought about it. It's, it's just a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work, man. I hear you. And, and I don't want to just take something on just to do it. I want to you do it, be as, committed, I wanna do it as well as you can, as yeah, you do yeah, it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so that's the thing, whatever the next level looks like, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe it's television, um, yeah. you know, but that it's going to be, it's going to be every, you're making movies and TV and books and all yeah. kind of stuff, but it's also going to be harnessing the power of my voice with a really consistent vehicle, uh, in the mainstream. I see a podcast could be a good potential for you. Do you know Rob Bell? I don't know him, but I know who he is. No, he is. he yeah, launched his about a year and a half ago. He's been a, become a good friend. He lives down the street too. Oh, he does. And he, I didn't know that. He said the podcast for him has changed his everything, his business, his life. How? You know, he's been doing like this world tour. He was on tour with Oprah, I think, a year and mm-hmm. a half ago, and he's been doing his own thing, writing two books a year, putting it out there. And he said, I'm able to do it all myself in terms of direct reach. You know, if I'm going to speak somewhere, I just mention it on the podcast and it sells out in days. If I'm doing a book signing, it sells out. He does shows here all the time, sells wow. out. Courses, workshops, whatever it is. Or before, he didn't have the social media following or an email list or a podcast where people are listening to. Yeah. He had to do more, more traditional outreach through like radio and print ads and stuff yeah. like that. But now he's building it and he's got people that want to hear and he'll interview people and also do his own little sermons on there and mixes it up. So I think you could talk about anything. You could do stuff with wow. your wife on there. You could do stuff about movies, yeah. about the next book, your sermons on there, life lessons. You know, you could do it once a week to start. So it doesn't seem like too much work. And wow. feel it out. So, okay. All right. We'll talk afterwards. Lewis is com- yeah, yeah. converting me, man. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> converting you to the truth. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, cool, man. I want to I wanna finish with a couple couple questions because I know we got to bounce out of here. Um, what are you most grateful for in your life recently? Recently? Uh, wow. I mean, you know, my, my wife and my family, uh, you know, two days ago, I came back from Oakland and my cousin, 37 years old died. Mm. Yeah. She died. Um, yeah. You know, very, you know, suddenly totally, you know, unexpected. And so being there for the funeral and I had to do the eulogy, Mm. it was just a blessing, uh, you know, for, you know, to have family. And we did it at the church that I grew up in. And, and so being there, you know, with my family and being there with the church that, you know, or my, you know, like my community, you know, yeah. since I was eight years old yeah. and, you know, just being back home, uh, I was so grateful. Yeah. I was so grateful for the experience. I was so grateful for uh, having this type of upbringing and having this type of family and this type of church community. And then to have my wife there with me, yeah. it was just uh, a moment where uh, I had perspective on what really mattered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was making sure that even as things happen and, and success continues to come, staying connected to where I came from and who I came from is very, very important. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. What's the most inspiring thing about your wife for you? <laughs> There's so many things. Um, the most inspiring thing about her is just, you know, she is just this amazing positive energy. It's almost like I didn't marry a person. I married an energy mm. and, and just her optimism, her innocence, her, um, her perspective, her joy, 
it's just like every day I get up, man. And it's just like, cool. I'm, this is great. I'm gonna be good no matter what. Uh, because you know, she just has that, that light. And so it's like, I literally have married a light. And so that is just, yeah. And it's, man, listen, it's a, it's powerful and it's a blessing and and I respect it. And I'm so grateful for it because I know that marriage is hard and so many people don't, it doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. So I'm just grateful for, you know, having an amazing wife and, and that, and what I believe, you know, now I'm, try and convert you man you know you it's like having the right woman yeah it just if for a man it just it man i i can't tell you enough what it will do for your life because you know i was like you and and before Uh getting married and conquering the world and excited and not looking and not ready and boom then she showed up Mm. in my not ready state and so i had a choice am i going to reject her am i going to reject love because i want to go conquer the world or am I going to embrace love? And by embracing love, everything that I was trying to achieve, I've done that in more since. Wow. And life is better because you don't, you don't, you're not as stressed. You're not as worried. You, cause you know, at the end of the day, no matter what, I can go back home and I got her. Mm. And so, again, that's the long answer to your question. But these are the things I appreciate yeah. about her is that I don't have to be anybody else but me. Right. And that light that's in her and that love that's in her just keeps me peaceful that's powerful where do you think you'd be if you weren't married oh dude i don't know man i think you'd still be doing the work you're doing at the i'd be level? doing yeah i would be doing the work that i'm doing would i be doing at the level that i'm doing i don't think so hmm. i don't think so i because i think that there's something that happens that shifts in a man when when he gets married and he commits to love hmm. uh, and i think the world sees it and they feel it um, and that, in that there's just it's it's weird it's like you know you get married especially when it's the right marriage it's, it's like life opens up to you in ways that are, are indescribable. Wow. So I know that I would still be successful. I know I'd still be doing what I'm doing because this is what I'm created to do. Right. But uh, would it have a, the same impact? I don't Maybe know that it would. Not as fulfilled either. Not as fulfilled either. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. You guys going to have kids? Uh, you were waiting on that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. The answer is yes, but not, not anytime <laughs> soon. Anytime soon. Oh, no, you no, haven't no. embraced being ready for that yet, huh? <laughs> But I embraced uh, the first step. Okay. Don't resist it, man. Come on. Well, hold up, man. You, you can't get me on that. You got to start with the first step, baby. Let's go. <laughs> All right. We'll start resisting if you don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can hold off for a while. Okay. Then. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> my question now, I forgot what I was going to ask. Uh, the question is, what are you most proud of that a lot of people don't know about you? Maybe you don't talk about that much. Oh, wow. Maybe it's not out there in the world. It's not in your books, but it's something you're really proud of. It could be something small or it could be something big. Just something that, oh proud of man that's a that is a good tough question i don't know that's a good one what am i proud of um shoot i don't know man i gotta think about that Mm. i mean you know i I never really think of you know uh in terms of being like myself like doing something that i'm proud of sure because i think sometimes you just that that feels a little too um self you know, like oriented, right. You know? It's like, oh, I'm really proud of myself. Like, no, no, sure, I'm proud sure. of others. Sure. You know, I'm proud of what others do, but for myself, I don't think that I've really embraced that perspective. Mm. Maybe I should. Maybe a discipline that you have or a, um, one or, disciplines that I have, which, uh, you know, I guess maybe I am proud of myself is, is working out mm. uh, you know, and staying consistent in that. Yeah. You know, when I was in my early twenties, uh, you know, I had a bit of a health scare, uh, really? that, yeah, I was, you know, overweight and not really taking care really? of myself. And yeah. You're and, like the uh, fittest person. In life right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's, thank you. But that's year, yeah. years, years, uh, in the making. And so coming out of that experience, mm. 
you know, I just made a decision that I got to really take care of myself. Yeah. And so, you know, with all the things that I'm doing, the thing, the way that I'm able to handle it and manage it is, is by consistently working out. That's I mean, cool. you know, and it's like, dude, you know, sometimes going twice a day, depending on what's going on and, you know, just not missing. If I'm traveling, I miss a day, I'll pick it up when I get back. But yeah. Just taking care of the temple. That's cool. It has been something that is really important. You know, health is, in my mind, the most powerful thing we can work on. It's mm -hmm. it's like our duty to yep. stay healthy. And whether we like it or not, our our body is a symbol to everyone else of how we take care of ourselves and how we treat ourselves and how we love ourselves That's true. and how committed we are. When you look at someone physically, even though if we're thinking about a spiritual world here and we're not trying to put emphasis on the body. Yeah. But when you look at someone, you can tell right away if they're a hard worker, Yep. if they're committed, yep. if they, uh, you know, follow a game plan, if totally. they're, and some people are more genetic freaks than others. That's true. But in most senses, you can be like, I know that person is a hard worker. Yes. Like, and you trust that person a yes. little bit more in a lot of ways. Whether it's true. Consciously or subconsciously. It's true. And um, the energy you have by being healthy, you can create so much more in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can and, create, you can manage, you can, you can digest, mm -hmm. you can process. I mean, it makes such a big difference. Not saying that all fit people are able to do these things. Yes. But in true. general. But in general, it gives yes. you the, the, a platform. Yes. By which those things are, are yeah. probably more accessible and achievable than if you don't have a healthy platform. Exactly. And, and I can't be one of those guys, you know, I just can't be a person that's out there telling people about, you know, how to have a healthy spirit mm -hmm. without a healthy temple for it to reside in. Absolutely. I like, I love your con commitment, man. I love it. Um, <laughs> I say committed. I love it. This is a question I ask everyone at the end called the three truths. Oh boy. Three truths. Okay. And I did not I prep might, to on any of these questions. So, <laughs> um, so this is the, the last day for you many, many years from now, right? Many, many years. It's the last day for you. Yeah. But everything you've created, all the media you've put out in the world, which is going to be a lot has been erased. Okay. So there's no books, no nothing of yours. All right. And it's a, an incredible celebration. Everyone's there, but it's your last day. Um, and someone hands you a piece of paper and a pen. And they say, we don't have any of your content left. So can you write down the three things you know to be true about everything you've learned in life that you would pass on to us? The three lessons. What would be your three truths? Um, God is real. Faith works. Jesus saves. There you go. Drop the mic. See you later. You got those. You good. <laughs> I like it. I promise you. I like it, man. That's okay. what I would say. I like those truths. Um, is there any question that you wish people would ask you? <laughs> um, is there any question I wish people would ask me? Oh, wow. I would probably say, you know, so many times, you know, people talk about the Hollywood thing and, and, and that's cool. But I think that, um, you know, very few people, you know, ask about like, okay, you know, as a, you know, young man of color. You know, how is it different or not, you know, navigating the world of entertainment or navigating the world of success? And that's something I don't think people really, you know, touch on. Because a lot of times, you know, mm -hmm. people want, you know, and say, oh, it's colorblind. And I'm like, well, to degree, to a degree. But, you know, being of color in this world, specifically in Hollywood yes. and endeavoring to have success, you know, is, is a different experience. Mm -hmm. And producer it, too. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And just and just being in the world, right. you know, I mean, you know, and I think that it's unfortunate right now, you know, all of the, the racial tension that's happening because I feel like, you know, as a country, you know, we, we got to come together and, and recognize, you know, all that's going on and that there are that people of color, you know, are disenfranchised at times and 
don't always have an equal seat at the table. And, and that's not a knock on anything other than history and where we are. And sometimes, you know, being of color and being in this industry and trying to be successful, uh, it's a challenge. And so yeah. sometimes people don't ask me that question because okay. uh, I think sometimes, you know, it's not it doesn't come to mind or they think, sure, oh, I sure. don't want to I don't want to make right, it a racial right. thing. Right, right. Well, I'm black. Guess what? <laughs> so, hey, that's a fact. That's a fact. You yeah. know what I mean. So why not embrace it sure, and sure. Uh, and and talk about it and own it and yeah. and because uh, it's a part of the story. Well, is there the anything journey. you'd like to share or answer to that question? Well, just that you know, I think that it's really, really important. Um, you know, for people that that are not mm. of color to, to recognize that it is sometimes a different experience for people of color mm. uh, when they're in industry and trying to progress. Uh, you know, as a, as a, as a black man in Hollywood, you know, if I did not have uh, mentors. Yeah. If I did not have, you know, people that were ahead of me that helped me understand the business and help pull me up, I would not be here today. And that's really important. And that there sometimes is a language in industry that people of color don't always get access to mm. the dictionary and, and, and the syllabus of like, okay, here's how it runs and here's what you say and here's how it works. Yeah. And I think that that's something that that's important that we begin to break down, you know, the codes of success mm. in industry so that it's accessible for everyone. And then let everyone have the opportunity to apply it for themselves and see where they end up. Uh, but sometimes based upon how you look or even based upon your gender, you aren't all, you aren't given access to those codes. Right. And so my hope and through what I'm doing and talking about and answering questions like this is that we can say, look, you know, we do have issues in this country, but these issues are solvable. Yeah, they're solvable uh, when we you know come together and, and say, OK, what can we do to resolve and fix it? And not look at it as like, oh, you know, it's for those people. No, it's for all of us because mm. we all benefit when everyone has an equal opportunity for for experience. Absolutely. I love that. You should write an article about this. Okay. About your experience. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hollywood Reporter or something like that. I think well, you'd be great. Yeah. I wrote a little bit um, last year when they had the whole controversy over the, over the Oscars. Right, right. Oh, uh, yeah, just yeah, from that right. perspective. But it's right, a good right. idea. I think it'd be cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I like that. Well, thank you for sharing. Of course. I'm glad I asked you. <laughs> yeah. Um, before I ask the final question, uh, where can we connect with you? What's the, how mm -hmm. can we serve you and be in support of what you're doing? Well, I'm on social media, you know, so you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My handle is at Devon Franklin, D-E capital V-O-N Franklin, okay. F-R-A-N-K-L-I-N. And then I also have my website, uh, DevonFranklin.com, mm -hmm. uh, which has all the stuff that, that's going on and updates and all that good stuff. So awesome. social media and my website are probably the best places to cool. uh, to come find me. Okay. And cool. I do respond. So you if people, you know, write comments, you know, I do my best to, to hit back. Where do you hang out most? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? Usually it's Instagram, Facebook and and Twitter adjacent. Okay. Yeah, totally <laughs> Meaning like, you know, I check in with Twitter and it, you know, it kind of does its thing, but you Instagram's know, I'm, I'm, jam. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Cool. I'm pretty more, I'm very immersed in that. Right. And, um, like you know, my biggest following is on Facebook, then Instagram and then Twitter. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, before I ask the final question, I want to take a moment, Devon, to acknowledge you for oh, thank you. the incredible inspiration you are in the world, for the message that you share, uh -huh. for your commitment to your foundation and your principles. Thank because you. there are so many people, especially in Hollywood, who yeah. don't have that. Hmm. And for you to be so true to yourself, be true to your faith, be true to your message, and to not just preach it, but actually be it, hmm. is such an amazing example for myself and so many other people listening oh, wow. and watching. Thank you. So I want to acknowledge you for constantly stepping up to the plate in a powerful way to be in service to others. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that, man. You're welcome. Appreciate man. that. You're welcome. Yeah, it's a blessing. 
And the final question is, what's your definition of greatness? Oh, boy. <laughs> Man, now that's 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 the wow. OK, so the, my definition of of greatness and I'll try to be succinct. Sure. Um, but, you know, it fundamentally, you know, comes down to a a personal determination to harness not only the power within, but to fulfill the divine destiny on my life or on your life, regardless of obstacles, regardless of shortcomings, regardless of excuses, that there is a commitment made between you, yourself and God, that I am going to be everything that I was created to be. And I will not rest until I see it come to pass and I will pursue excellence and I will study and I will research and I will work and I will work and I will work and I will work. And I am not going to let myself wallow in self-pity. I'm not going to let myself look in the mirror and get so discouraged that I stop. But that greatness comes from seeing the vision of your life, seeing exactly who you are. Because I believe that all of us have, if we had time and we took the time just to do a personal assessment, we have a vision in our life of who we are and what we want to do. The problem is the vision of who we are and what we want to do doesn't line up with what we see. Right. So we sometimes tell ourselves that the vision of who we really are and what we wanted to really do is impossible. So we push it out. We drink it out. We sex it out. We smoke it out. We work it out because we don't ever want to embrace that. No, the vision is realistic. But in order to achieve it and to become great, you must commit to it and pursue it. So I believe that when we have that vision of who we are and what we're supposed to do and we pursue it, pursue it every day. That is the thing that leads to greatness. When you look at the greatest of the greats yeah. and, and I'm blessed that I've been able to not only meet some of them, but know them. I can tell you that this commitment to their own personal development and the fulfillment of the call in their life is the thing that sets them apart from others that have been in their field, but have not had that level of success that they have. It's not their talent. It's not their looks. Mm -hmm. It's their commitment. And that to me is, is greatness. You cannot have greatness without commitment. You can have a moment, right? but I, but greatness is eternal. We still talk about the greats because they were great and they made an eternal impact on this earth. So that's what I believe mm -hmm. it is that when you see it and you know it, you commit to it. And, and, and you have, because this thing, it's so hard. It takes so much grit. It takes so much determination. Yeah. I mean, but that's why you got to be obsessed, right? You have to be obsessed and possessed about what it, you're called to do. You have to, True. you have to, and people can look at you crazy. They can talk about you. Good. <laughs> Let them talk. Give them something good to talk about. Right. You need Please. Villains. You need villains. <laughs> you need them. Okay. And tell them to get their whole, you know, get their whole henchman. Come get you. <laughs> because so many times we allow what people say to get in our ear, to get in our spirit. And then we stop or we, or we alter. And I believe greatness is, is that determination. I know who I am. I know where I'm going and let's see who's there when I get there, but I'm going to get there. Mm. Vaughn Franklin. My man. Thanks, My man. man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Lou. I Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks appreciate for having me, man. Yeah, man. Yes, yes, yes. There you have it, guys. If you enjoyed this, make sure to share it with your friends. LewisHouse.com. 
slash 409. Connect with Devon on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as well. We've got all of his social media handles back at the show notes, lewishouse.com slash 409. Also, guys, we are almost at 100,000 subscribers over on YouTube. That's right. We put a lot of time and energy and resources into creating great video content with these interviews. So if you have not subscribed yet, make sure to go to youtube.com slash Lewis House, click that subscribe button, let me know what you think, comment on a few different videos, and make sure to share this one out with your friends as well. Really enjoyed connecting with Devon and having him on, and I hope to bring him back on with his next book. My question for the day is this, what was the most inspiring thought that Devon talked about that you never thought of yourself before, or maybe something that you heard of a long time ago or had an idea of a long time ago, but now how he said it reconnected you to that idea, and now you want to implement that in your life. Let me know what resonated with you the most. Tweet me at Lewis House and let me know. And as always, guys, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and not a yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.